Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. This strikes me when, when they're talk, talking about the offering, you know, and you can give online and, and then you can write a check, you know, and I'm a, per, we, I write checks, you know, but, but I was in this, this thing and they were doing a, you know, donation thing and the guy, person next to me was young and they'd said something like that. You can give online, you can Venmo, <laughs> all those words that, you, that are verbs, apparently. <laughs> You're going to get Ven mode. I'm sorry. I thought, um, and, the, the, and then they said, and you can write checks. And the guy next to me is like, who does that? And I'm like, Psh. and so I didn't write him a check. So that was, so, you know, you hear these words and these Things and you, you, you like make judgments on them because you don't know. And, and if it's not familiar to you, typically we'll, we don't like it. We have, we're always predicting how something goes or what people think without really knowing. But we just we look at them and go, oh, yeah, I know. I know what you think. And then when you identify yourself with some group or something, then we're like, now we really know that we're not going to be friends with you. That's how, what we're doing. It's not who we're going to be friends with. It's who we're not going to be friends with. That's what we're always evaluating. And sometimes we can just do it by seeing because we know all. Or we can, they say something, then we're like guaranteed we know everything about them. Even if we make judgments about people in countries where we've never been. Isn't that, why? How do you do that? How do you know that? I know everyone in that country. Every one of them, and they're all against me, and they're coming to get me. They're not just against me, they're coming here. That's always, you know they're coming here. They are? I didn't know that. They are. Who says? They say. It's all this pronouns, you know? Who are they? You know them. Are they reliable? Oh, they're reliable. Who are they? I don't know, but they're reliable. <laughs> so we got to protect ourselves from them when they come. They said to protect yourself from them when they come. Where are they coming? To your house. Basically, that's the fear, your street. And so we make all the, we make this whole decisions based on this vague fear. Uh, so when I, was, when I was a police officer, I was working plain clothes. One time I was working in this drug-related, narcotics-related case, and I had a confidential informant, and I was meeting the confidential informant in a particular neighborhood from Washington, D.C., in a particular neighborhood um, where, where the drug activity was occurring, and so I went to meet the confidential informant, and so when I went into that neighborhood because of what we were doing, I don't carry a badge and I don't carry a gun just because I know I'm going to get searched in the thing we're doing. 
And so in preparation for that, I'm meeting the confidential informer. We're just going to do like a preliminary kind of run on how this is going to work. And so we, I meet him at this body shop. And we're standing in the parking lot of the body shop, daytime. In this, We're in that neighborhood of where we're going to do what we're going to do eventually. And I'm talking to him. And I'm standing, I'm talking to him like this, and he's, he, his back is to the body shop, my back's to the parking lot, and I'm having this conversation with him about here's what we're going to do, and tell me who to pay attention to. And he's, he's, we're talking, and then all of a sudden I can see the panic in his eyes. Like he's looking over my shoulder, and he goes, and he's, he, he won't talk to me anymore, and I'm talking to him like, what's the matter? What's the matter? And he's looking over my shoulder like, and I turn around, and... I don't know, eight guys are coming towards us. And, um, and he, wh- whoever they are, I don't know who they are, um, he's terrified of whoever they are. I can just see it in his face. And let me just say, me in shorts, standing in this neighborhood, I do not blend in. Let's just put it that way. I, pretty, I stand out pretty dramatically like, you're probably not from here, are you? That's not even a question. You're not, he's, and so he's, he's looking, and then I turn around and I look and I'm like, oh boy. And I turn around to ask him what we should do and he's gone. (laughs) Like, where did he go? He obviously knows where to go. I do not know where to go. So I turn around and these guys come up to me. They're from the neighborhood and the, obviously, the lead guy is, he's a, a big guy, and he walks up to me, and they get in a circle around me, and I'm thinking, wow, this didn't work. This is not going to work, <laughs> and I'm making all kinds of judgments about all kinds of things, including my future, which will end right now in the auto body shopping parking lot, and I've never really thought about dying in an auto body parking lot. I didn't think that was the way I would go. In short, you know, it's unbecoming. And, uh, and they're standing around me. And so the guy, the lead guy, he walks up to me and he says, um, what, what are you doing in our neighborhood? And I said, I was, I was, I was talking to a guy. <laughs> He's gone now. We finished our conversation. He had to go somewhere. And it's over now, and I'm planning on leaving now. And he said, well, uh, hold on, hold on. He said, "Um, I want to ask you a question. And I said, okay, you asked me one already, but two's good, go, go. He says, "Um, I want to know if you ever think about dying. I'm like, oh. I said, about the foremost thought in my mind right now, yes. Uh, He said, because you can die right here in this parking lot right now. And I said, I understand that. And he said, and he, and he said, do you, I want you to make sure you understand what I'm saying. You could die right now in this parking lot. And I'm like, I get it. <laughs> like I feel it with every part of my body. I feel death coming on. <laughs> that was, I was really scared. And he's, and he's he, three times. He said, you can die right here, right now. And I said, okay, I know. And he said, so here's my main question to you. If you died right here, right now, and you stood before God, he's going to ask you two questions. First, why should I let you into my heaven? And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, he's going to ask you those questions. And I'm like, are you doing evangelism? 
He goes, yeah. And I said, well, I'm already a believer. And he, and he turns around to the guys and he goes, see, it's not that hard. <laughs> I said, that is not the way to do evangelism. <laughs> Especially to a white guy in shorts. That, you know, like, that's not the intro. That's the wrong intro. He said, I think it was effective. I'm like, well, it was effective. It was effective. <laughs> anyway, that guy, that guy was a gang leader in that neighborhood who someone had served back when he was in a lot of trouble. And it had, he told me later, after I learned to like him again, um, that, that how he had come to faith in Christ through his, in his neighborhood and all that. But the thing that bothered me about the situation was how fast I judged it. And I was as wrong as you could be. How, why, how does that happen? How, why do we get to that place? Um, and so when we, when we come to read scripture, even then we're doing it. Even then, when I go to read the scripture, I'm reading it through a certain lens that actually prohibits me from receiving all that the text wants to do and definitely what the Spirit wants to do. Because I'm coming with this predisposition towards something. And it's hard because you don't know what that is exactly until you really let the Lord challenge you on it. So this morning, I, I want to look at this passage and I want to, there's a, there's a lens to it I want you to see that I, I know I grew up in the church and I, real, I didn't have this, the lens that Jesus is, is asking us to see the world through. I didn't have it. Although I did have the Christian eyeglasses. I had those. But I didn't have the lens of Jesus. This is different. That's different. Sometimes the lens of Christianity magnifies the wrong thing. Like, those guys are different than you. Danger. That's what it magnifies. Different danger. When he says, I want you to think about dying, I think it's because he's going to kill me. Not that Jesus is saying, you want to be in this neighborhood? You, you think the police are going to do something in this neighborhood? I'll show you who's going to do something in the neighborhood. These guys. These guys. So you and your confidential informant need to learn from these guys. I, I didn't have the lens for that, to see it. I'm like, danger, 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 self-protect, self-protect, right? Like that. But when you're reading the Gospels, it's, it's, the, the Gospels are trying so hard to say, the way you see things is wrong. You're upside down. All, almost all the time. But you're so sure you're right side up. Which makes it even worse. So I, I was thinking about you all and thinking about, you know, what to talk about. And I just love the way, like, the Spirit gives, just gives ideas. And, um, and I started thinking about it. And this phrase came to my mind. This, well, just while I was sitting down here in the first service and we were singing, and this phrase came to my mind, it's late in the day. <laughs> that was the phrase. I, I could see those words. It's late in the day. 
These are how ideas come, and this is how inspiration happens. It's ideas and thoughts. It's not magic. It's not magic. God is giving ideas out all the time. All the time. It's not magic like, I'll tell you if you light a candle. Like, <laughs> really? Yes. And you have to play a certain kind of music to really get me going. I'm out of candles. All right, come back when you got a candle. Like, then you get like this. Right? It's like, yeah. I, I, was, I was telling this group yesterday, it was like, we, in our community group, it's people in our neighborhood, you know, and around that we didn't know, and we all started to get, to get together. And all we did when we met together, because we didn't really know each other, was we would eat dinner together, and then we would all go around and say what we're most afraid of in life. That's all we did. And that group got so tight because no one has a place where they'll go and say what they're really afraid of. Because we're, we can or we don't know or whatever. And so as we learned, and one of the, one of the women in our group, and for, you know, we're in Tennessee, and she, she said that, uh, she said, I'm most afraid of that I just let Jesus down every day. See, now here's what's interesting. <laughs> you can't let Jesus down. You cannot let Jesus down. Do you, like, is Jesus up there going, boy, Jamie let me down today. Like, he's, he's like, he's gonna, Jesus is going to have a bad day because I let him down. Like, it's, re, it's crazy. But these are the things we actually believe. And so, I let, down, I let Jesus down every day. Why? Because I don't spend enough time with him. Hmm. Because I get to my job and it's a hard job and I work really hard and she works really hard and she's very good at her job and I'm and I love people and I gotta be with people but, but I'm not with Jesus. I'm too busy to be with Jesus and I let him down. Our question: Where exactly is Jesus while you're at work? <laughs> she goes, huh? Well, sometimes I get a break and I go out and meet him in the car. So while you're working, Jesus is sitting in your car, <laughs> hoping you'll come out so you don't let him down. She's like, that's it. <laughs> then she goes, wait a second. That can't be right. It's not right. If anything, he's standing in the parking lot. He's not sitting in your car. I mean, at least talking to somebody out there, probably. He's not sitting alone in your car. <laughs> But here's what she's saying. And this was transformational to her. The omnipresent one cannot meet you in the middle of a busy office and have a relationship with you because you're busy. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. All the time. He's with you all the time. And that changed her life. You mean he's talking to me in the bank? Yes. When? Probably the whole time. He's probably telling you what to say to these people to bless them and serve them. If you just stopped and said, what did you say? He can do it. That's, it's hard to learn in that environment. You could be going in your car and say, Jesus, when we're back in the bank together, 
what do you want me to know and what do you want me to do? And then you go in the bank together and he's right there and you do what he said. And then you look at him occasionally and go, is this going all right? And he's like, because here's what he won't say. Nope, you're disappointing me. Let's get back out in the car again. <laughs> he won't say that. He'll go like, yeah, that was, that was good. Here, try this. And he'll give you, a, and, and then you'll grow together. And guess when your quiet time is? All the time. It's not the magic time. The whole day is the magic time. <laughs> and if you get to go off with them and light a candle, there's just a chill together. You may not even talk in that environment. So you've been talking all day. Let's go let's sit somewhere and light a candle and listen to music. And let's just be quiet together. Like, yeah. But like we get all these ideas in our head, you know, we're taught all these, these things. I remember growing up in the pastor saying, if you just spend five minutes a day with God, God will change your life. I'm like, what if we do seven minutes? <laughs> do you see how they're like, God's like, we'll go for seven. Oh, I'm going to really bless you now. You're getting a parking space right in the front. <laughs> how long did you, three minutes, park over there. <laughs> That's how we think. Like, why are those people kneeling in the parking lot and doing Thanksgiving? They found a space. You know that? Thank you, God. People dying all over the world. Thank you, God, for this parking space. Come on. It's late in the day. It's late in the day. Come on. So Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 is the passage that talks about this phrase. So I'm thinking of this phrase that comes into my head. It's a gift from God. It's like he's, we're, we're singing together. He's here with us, moving around, talking to everybody, talking to all of us. He's out there talking to everybody. And he says to me, hey, it's late in the day, but come on. And I'm like, wow, that is a beautiful sentence. He's like, yeah, yeah, I've written, I've written that in other places. You have? Yeah, Matthew. I think, you did write that in Matthew. What does it mean? And so I start thinking through late in the day, and it's Matthew chapter 20. Here's where it is. I'm just going to read this to you. We'll look at a passage in a second. Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven, which he talks about all the time. And it's the thing we don't understand the most. Tell me about the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus talks about. He doesn't talk about religion. He talks about the kingdom of God. What is that? And then every time you ask him, he says a different thing about it. So it's not this one little boom, this is it, this is all it ever is. It's like this, it's such an amazing concept that he has to give all kinds of metaphor to just try and give you a picture of it. It's so massive and beautiful, incredible, and beyond what you can imagine. Where is it? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here as if it were there, like it's here, it's there. The intersection of the divine and the human, the intersection of the divine and the human all through scripture is called temple. Anytime the divine and the human intersect, it's called temple. So in the beginning, the temple garden, the gar is the garden. It's the intersection of God and humanity all the time. And then that gets kind of skewed because we change lenses 
and start going, well, I don't, know if, I don't know if God's really taking care of us. I don't know if he's really for us. So I think maybe we need to be for ourselves. Boom, things change. And we go out of the temple <laughs> to save ourselves, to protect ourselves, to defend our team and all that stuff. And so the next time you see the temple is the tabernacle. There it is again, divine in the human. There it is intersecting right there. And it's leading a whole people group like that. Where's the presence? Right there. And then it's a building, the, te- the temple. And God's presence is there. And then we get that, we try and turn that into an empire, which is what we do. We take a temple and try and turn it into our empire that makes us rich and famous. And then we lose the intersection. Now it's just human. Thanks for the divine, great start. Appreciate you getting us going. We got it from here. Thank you very much. Thank you, goodbye. I'll see you in my car. (laughs) And then that falls apart. And then we see the temple himself, Jesus. (laughs) There he is. The ultimate intersection of the divine and the human. There he is, there's God. Look what God does. He's nothing like what we thought. He doesn't have a certain team. He plays with all the teams. That can't be right. He must not know. And people say to Jesus, you must not know who that is. Because if you knew, because we do know, if you knew who that was, you wouldn't let them come anywhere near you. And his response always back is, I know more who they are than you do. And if you knew who they were, you would be serving them. But you don't know. And there's the temple himself walking around. And then, amazingly, he goes, okay, we're going to do a temple handoff. And now you are the temple. You are the intersection of the divine and the human all the time. It's better that I leave you so that you can be the temple filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that you're the temple of the living God? Do you not know that? Do you not know that you have the mind of Christ? You must not, because look what you're doing. Look what you're doing. Do you not know that you have the mind of Christ? You have the mind of Christ. Why are you just imitating empires around you? What? It's killing. It's destroying you. It's fragmenting your whole society. And you just keep doing it. Don't you understand? You're the intersection of the divine and the human. That you have the mind of Christ. That you're filled with all the fullness of God. Do you not know that? And if you did know it, you know how different this would be? And you wouldn't need the police department in the neighborhood. You would need that redeemed guy with his gang in the neighborhood. That's all you would need. Tell the guy in the shorts to leave. (laughs) We're temple. We have it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's the kingdom. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning. This, this bothers us because like, can't you just tell us what the kingdom is? <laughs> Do you have to tell the story about it? Just tell us what it is so we can think about it and never ask you again. <laughs> and then we can be experts in the kingdom and we won't need you anymore to constantly tell us what the kingdom is. We got it. You, know, you guys will never get this. 
Here's what the kingdom's like. It's like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Look where they're idle. They're idle in the marketplace. We have a lot of us who are in the marketplace and we're idle. We think because we're working a job, we're working. That's all you're doing is empire building and it's idleness. Or idol with an O-ness. One of those. They're not really, you're not helping the vineyard. In the, you could be. And so the master says, hey, I'll tell you what, you guys are idle in the marketplace. Let me invite you into the vineyard and watch what happens. So there's these different like groups of people. And so you think, well, what, who's the group he hires early in the day? So I started thinking about that, you know, like it's late in the day, but come on. So in early in the day, what is he talking about? Early in the morning, maybe, but maybe early in your life. Maybe it's middle schoolers. And God, at that age, 14 for me is when he invited me into the vineyard. It was early in the day for me. I was 14. And he invites early in the day. Come with me, there's a vineyard. And early in the day, you can go and work in the vineyard. And then there's others. It's later in the day when they meet him. Like maybe you're 40 or 50 and you're having a midday crisis. It's the middle of the day and I can see the late in the day coming and it's the middle of the day and I feel like my life is idleness. Like what are we doing really? What are we doing? And then the master comes and he goes, I got a vineyard for you to put your identity in and, and, and it'll, it'll blow your mind. Come on. It's the, it's the middle of the day. Come on. And they get in there. And then there's the late in the day people. Like it's late in their day. And we're like, well, it's late in the day. And so I don't really have much to offer. I'm just idle. And so then the master comes and goes, hey, it's late in the day. Come on. And so you go into the vineyard, and in the vineyard are early in the day people, midday people, and late day people. And what's the reward for all of them? The same thing. It's all the same thing. Well, we're late into the game. Beautiful, full pay. We're new in the game. Beautiful, full pay. We're middle. Beautiful, full pay. But the laborers don't like that. Wait a second. I've been here in the, in the vineyard for a long time, and they just showed up, and they're getting the paid the same as me. Like, no, no, no. See, me inviting you into the vineyard was not, was not so you can make money. Me inviting you into the vineyard was so that you would understand the beauty of who you are who these others are, and who I am, and that's the pay. My inviting you into the vineyard was me serving you. I didn't ask you to come work for me. I'm serving you by, you in, by inviting you into the vineyard that I planted. Come and rejoice, because in the vineyard... The first will be last, 
and the last will be first. And there's the different lens right there. What now? The first will be last, and the last will be first. And then Jesus does this. Then he tells this. And Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside, and on the way, he says to them, so this is his small group. Jesus is the small group leader. This is his small group that he's training. One of the principles he's taught him is like, I'm the one that invited you into the vineyard. And the first shall be last. And they're like, okay, we don't understand anything that means, but we mostly never understand anything you're saying as our small group leader. So this is perfect. Then he says, as they're going up to Jerusalem, this is what he says. And the son of man just heads up to the group. The leader, me, the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death. Just a heads up. That's where we're going as a group. And they're like, did we know that coming into the group? Was that made clear in the expectations and responsibilities of the group? I don't think that was announced. Well, because in the kingdom of God, there are no expectations and there's no responsibilities. In the kingdom, there's only expecting the Lord and responding to his invitation. That's it. That's different than responsibility. Responsibility is, I'm inviting you in. It's all on you. Good luck. That's responsibility. Responsibility kills people. But the ability to respond, alive and free forever, and you want to see people move and transform things, it's because they have the ability to respond, not someone piled responsibility on them. And we're just like, yeah, it's my responsibility. As a responsible person, God's like, you're making me barf. (laughs) You have the ability to respond to what I invite you into. That's it. You mean it's not up to me? You have the ability to respond to what I invite you into. And faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. Oh my gosh. Do you know, that is the most unbelievable invitation possible. Come into my vineyard, and the reward is the same for all. What's the reward? Mind blown. (laughs) Did you know you could do that? I had no idea. Welcome to the vineyard. But we came late in the day. Come on, it doesn't matter. Middle schoolers today think it's late in the day, and they're killing themselves. That's what the world is telling them. This is not even worth going through. That's what they're learning from this empire, scarcity, separation, fragmented world they're in. It's like it's not worth it. It's too late in the day. You're still early in the day. Come on. They feel late in the day. It's not late. It's early. And then the late in the day, people, it's just too late. No, it's not. Come on. It's the same for them. Come on. It's not too late. It's not late in the day. Come on. I, Jesus is serving us. So let's look what he says here. And the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him. The world will, the empire will condemn me. Why? Because I'm kingdom. I'm not empire and I won't bow down to the empire. Idle people in the marketplace are serving the empire. We don't mean to, but we are complicit with it. Why? Because you you aren't even paying attention. They will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked 
and flogged and crucified, and then he'll be raised again on the third day. Imagine that's what your small group leader says to you. Do we get a certificate at the end of this group? Oh, oh, you get more than a certificate, my friend. <laughs> We're going to die together. It's late in the day. Come on. What, are you afraid to die? If you're afraid to die, then that means your whole life is going to be built on self-protection and self-promotion. And you're already dead. I'm inviting you into being alive and free because I am the author of this whole thing and I'm also the perfecter of the whole thing. What's our job? Let me serve you. That's what Jesus is saying. Let me serve you. Come with me. He tells him, we're going to die, but we're going to be raised again. This is the way. This is the secret. We're not afraid of the empire. The empire says it'll kill us. We're not afraid because we cannot die. Come with me to the vineyard. Come with me now. Let's go. And it's astounding. And so then one of the moms of two of the guys in the group, she shows up. Hey, my kids have been talking about the group. They don't seem to know what's going on in the group, but they talk a lot about it. And he says, so she comes to Jesus, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, came up to him with her sons. These are my sons. Jesus, in case Jesus doesn't know, you know, he doesn't know necessarily. These are my sons. These are my sons. Yes, thank you, ma'am. And she kneels before him. Very dramatic, beautiful. Right posture, kneeling, got to kneel. Kneels before him, and she asks him for something. I would love to ask you for something. And Jesus is like, beautiful. Ask away. What do you want, he says. And she said to him, please say that these two sons of mine are to sit on your right hand and left hand in the kingdom. What can I do for you? I would like you to make my kids first in the kingdom of God. What about everyone else? I don't know. I don't care. Here, these are my sons. I'm sure they're good men. These are my sons. I'm asking you as a mom to a Messiah that my sons are top. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You can't say that when you're Jesus, but he, he says... He says, oh, okay, well, wait a second. Hold on, hold on. Nice. I love the focus on the family moment, but um, <laughs> I don't think you know what you're asking. That's what he says. I don't think you know what you're asking. And he says, um, are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? And I love their answer. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what the cup is? No, but we're able to drink it. Yep, we're able to drink it. What is it? We'll, we'll drink it. What is that? <laughs> and, and he says, and he goes, you know what's funny, you guys and mom? You are going to drink the cup. You are going to drink it. You have no idea what it is, but you're going to drink it. He says, but being number one and two is not mine to get. Father. And when the ten other guys heard this conversation, you know how the group's going. It's like, don't you hate those two guys? Don't you hate those? 
every group, they never shut up. You know why? It's their mother. Have you met their mom? If you met their mom, you'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, we see. Yeah, we get it. And so all this positioning is just fragmenting the group. Do you see that? Because here's what they think. The goal is to be first. The goal is to be the top. The cool thing is, well, I'll just read this. They're indignant. But Jesus calls them all together. He's like, get the group back together. Get over here. All right, listen. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, their top guys, they lord it over them. And, and one exercises authority over another. That's what they do. That's the goal is to be in charge of it all. If God really loved me, I'd be in charge of it all. If God loved my country, we'd be in charge of everybody. That's how we know he loves us. We're in charge and we're in control and we have power and we're secure. That's how we know. Did you hear the die speech on the way over here? Did you hear that speech? We're going to be mocked. We're going to be killed. Did you hear that speech? In this way is the Son of Man glorified. In this way is the Son of Man made high. And you guys are fighting over who's going to be the most powerful and the greatest. We're the greatest. I'm the greatest thing God's ever done. I am. I'm the greatest. Do, do, when, when you say those kinds of things, the people around you are like, what does that mean about me? If you got, and if, and if we was to go out, walk out there and go, we're the greatest thing that God's ever done among all churches. All the other churches are like, well, what does that mean you think about us? Yeah, we're like, <laughs> yeah, I know, sorry. We're the greatest. And we think making that statement to the world is noble. We're the greatest thing God's ever done. Wow. Have you not read this? If you were, you'd all be serving your hearts out to other people because that's what the greatest do because the greatest one came and this is what he says but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave even as listen to this there's i don't know any other there's no other religion where this is the statement even as the son of man the name above all names. The name at every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to so the glory of God. That one, the Son of Man, came, listen, not to be served. He, like you mean the goal of Jesus isn't to get you to serve him? No. But that's what I've been taught. You better be serving God. You better be serving God. Why? So he'll find you worthy. That means if you don't serve, you're not worthy. Really? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And then the next section, he, these blind guys are yelling at him, and he says, what can I do for you? And he, he's, they say, we want to see, and he serves them. He doesn't go, well, I don't know, how many quiet times have you had? <laughs> like, have you guys shared your faith lately? And you're asking me to heal you. 
Like, get to work, come back to me when you show some productivity. Because the empire gives value based on what you can produce. That's how the empire owns you. And if you don't produce what the empire rewards, the empire will run you over. But in the kingdom, untrue. Your value comes from who you are, and that's all. That's all. Be who you are. How do we do that? By letting Christ serve you. That's the secret. Stop running out and serving me. Let me serve you first. Communion, you heard him say it. Communion, thank you for serving us, Jesus. We receive your service to us. That's what you're doing. In order that I can turn and serve another. But you can't serve another until he has served you first. So your prayer every morning is, God, what can I do for you? No. It's hard to get this. Lord, in what ways do you want to serve me today? I receive that. That's how you start a day. I want to receive from you all that you have. And he's like, good, because I have a great idea for a book that I want me and you to do. I'm going to serve you an idea. I want you to receive it. And I want you to turn and give it away. I have an idea for a movie. I want to give it to you. I want you to receive it. Don't let the world tell you you can't do it. Don't let the empire tell you you don't have enough money. I want you to receive it. I want to serve it to you to take it. Now, turn and give it away. That's how it works. And, the, and when you start doing that, those ideas come. Wow, do they come. And that creativity starts to go off the charts. Because every day you're being served by the creator himself. Do you know how to receive from him? So I'm going to tell, I'm going to end with this story and I'm going to do it because we're almost out of time, but I want to say this. So from around here in this area, a woman was born in this area in the late, late 40s, early 50s. I don't know exactly when she was born and she grew up on a farm and the farm, this environment that she grew up in was not good, not healthy. It was very unhealthy for her as a girl. Um, her spirit was broken, let's just say it that way, shattered. Um, and so she ran away when she was old enough to get out. She ran away and she hitchhiked across the country and she got into all kinds of trouble and all kinds of drugs, just trying to find her way in life over years. And then she gets arrested and incarcerated um, down in Texas, spends time in jail, gets out of jail, just trying to find her way trying to find her way. She just can't figure it out. She knows about religion. She heard it as she was being abused, which is often where we hear it. And, um, and it just, it's all a big jumbled mess to her. One day, she meets a man who's older than her. She's in her 20s. He's, he's 20 years older than her. He starts to serve her. He starts to encourage her. I don't know exactly where they met, but it's hard for her to trust men, especially older men, but he starts to serve her and encourage her. And he says to her one day, I think you're really smart. And it's kind of late in the day, but I want to invite you into getting a college degree and I will pay for it. 
She says, I can't do it. I'm not smart. I, I'm from a farm, wherever. I, I don't. He says, I think you can do it. I'm inviting you in to education, and I will serve you to help you graduate. She goes through four years of college. She graduates. Then he says to her, you know what? You're really good at this. I'm inviting you in. Let me serve you through a master's degree program. And she does. Master's degree. And then while this is going on, she's falling madly in love with this amazing man. And then he says, you know what? Let's get a PhD together. And she said, she's like, I, would, I want to be together with you the rest of my life. And they get married. And they get married and they get PhDs together. And he's already super wealthy oil executive that's never been married. And so they marry and he takes her all over the world and introduces her to all different cultures. And he keeps inviting her into things and he never once talks to her about faith or religion. And one day she says to him, after she she's never seen a greater servant than this guy. And they've been married for 20 years. And she says to him, why are you like this? How are you? And he says, because I'm of the one who served me. And he explains Jesus to her. But she has so seen it already in the way he served her, she immediately embraces the one that served him. Do you see that? And, and she comes to faith, and it's beautiful, and their life together is amazing. And then he dies. And when he dies, she kind of loses her footing because I love Jesus, but wow, what am I going to do without the one who served me so well? He's gone now, and she starts to struggle, and she develops an eating disorder, and she's 68 years old. And so she gets connected in with some friends of ours and we meet her and we walk her through identity and hearing from God. You need to let God serve you now directly, you. Let him serve you, receive from him. And she understands her identity. We're praying together one day and her name's Vani. And I said, let's just ask the Lord what he calls you. She knew all the beautiful names her husband would call her all the time, but now he's not there, and so it's her and the Lord, and she says, what do you call me? And she listens, and she says, I think he calls me his criminal. And I was like, all right, let's do that again. Um, (laughs) You know, God's wrong sometimes, so let me just correct that. Press in. That's the word we say when we don't know what to do. We use the term press in, which none of us knows what that means. But we're like, let's press into that a little more. It's like, that just means we don't know what the heck just happened right there. But it's not what we thought. And it's probably not, you know, like that's what it means. Let's press in, shall we, to this. God, what the heck are you doing? Why are you calling her a criminal? Come on. Oh, the lies we live. So criminal lord what do you want us to know about her being a criminal and it means the world to her it's like god knows better what to call her than i know what to call her isn't that unusual that's strange huh uh you need to run that by me first vani anyway criminal and it means everything she said it's like i'm like i'm like the thief on the cross and i'm like which one and you know i gotta keep this biblical uh uh, this day you're with me in paradise. Okay, all right, yeah, that's a, that's a good 
thief. Um, and so what she means is that in her criminality, God served her. And so she believes I need to, my whole life and PhD in education is all, all served to me, is now to turn and serve my people, the criminal world. So I'm like, okay, huh. So she goes to the state prison. We're in Texas. I don't know if you've ever been to a Texas prison. It's a rough place. She goes there and she goes to the warden and says, I want to commit the rest of my life to the inmates in this prison. So Vaughn is like, I'm not kidding. She is this tall. And she, for some reason, she lost her index finger on her right hand. I don't know why I've asked her a thousand. What happened to your index finger? And she's like, um, I don't want to tell you that story. I'm like, all right. But then, but so I make, I, all the time she's like, Jamie, let's go this way. But she, you know, it's like this. Let's go this way. And I'm like, are you pointing? I don't know. What are you doing? You're going to fist bump. What are we doing? I can't tell. You don't have a finger. What happened to your finger? I'm not going to tell you that story. All right. And then when she's like, we need Jesus. And you're like, are you pointing at him? Or what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. It's just always like, there's Vonnie. We think pointing at somebody. We don't know. Anyway. And so she says, I want to give my life to the prisoners. And the, the warden's like, mm, she, and he lets her in. And she goes in there. In a matter of months, she has 300 men in these study groups. And she's walking them through identity. That's all she's doing. She doesn't... <laughs> So she, and it's going great. And she sends us a picture. Here I am in my identity. I'm right here with my friend. We don't know if she, we don't know who her friend is. We can't tell. One of those guys is your friend. Or maybe all of them. I don't know. But anyway, and, and here's the leader of our group, the Bible study group. And it's an Aryan guy with a swastika on his forehead. She goes, here's our group leader. And I'm like, great. Like would, like would, in Jesus's group, would he ever have someone like that? One time when I was in the prison, side note, I, we were, I was telling the inmates how God selects. I said, if Jesus walked in here and selected his team, you know how he would do it? And they're like, no. I said, he would walk around and go, how many of you hate the man? And how many of you do? And they're like, well, all of us, you know. And, uh, and he goes, how many of you just want to kill the man? Just kill the man. How many of you that deep inside, you just want to kill? And, and you say, yeah. And Jesus is like, I need you on my team. That's what, those were the zealots of Jesus' day. Every day, all they planned was how to kill a Roman. And Jesus recruited him. And he said to him, I'm not going to, you don't want to kill him. You want to run the whole thing. That's what you want. And I'm going to show you how to do it. And he taught him how to do, win the whole thing. Like, don't kill the man, then they win. Influence all of them. And he taught him how to do it. Anyway, Vonnie shows me the picture. Then one day she's in her group, 300 guys, mostly white, Hispanic group, big group. It's awesome, led by... You know, this guy, we'll call him Saul of Tarsus. How about we call him that? Who's now Paul. Um, and one day, some Muslim guys in the prison, from the Muslim gang in the prison, come to little Vani and they say, we know what's going on in here. We want to be a part of this group, but we don't want to be Christian. Can we come in? 
And Bonnie immediately is like, yes. But the other people in the group, we love who's in the group, but do we want these guys in? And they said, we don't really want them here. It's like in Acts when Paul and Peter come back and go, the Gentiles want to come in. And the Jewish believers are like, we don't want them. Unless they're exactly like us. Not we, we would never do something like this, but they got to be exactly like us. And these guys are the wrong color. They're the wrong religion. Can we really include them in? And they had a hard time. But so Vani calls me and she said, hey, Jamie, can you come into the prison with me? And um, here's what's going on. Can you meet with these guys and help them understand that if, if we don't serve these guys, we don't get the kingdom. Did you hear that? If we don't serve our enemy, we don't get the kingdom. And if we stop it here, we stop the movement. Because we don't want you in here. And so, so I come in and I meet with the lead people who were amazingly transformed people. And we, we went through the book of Acts together. And they, and they saw it. They're like, you're right. You're right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, let us, let us pray about this. Yeah. This is new for us, man. We don't mix. But okay, maybe God does mix. So I said, okay, great. So now I got to go talk to the Muslim leadership. So I go to the Muslim guys. And I'm meeting with them, and I'm talking to them, and I'm like, who's the leader in this group here? And they're like, oh, no, our leader's in solitary confinement. And I'm like, yeah. Hmm. Is he having a quiet time? Does he have a candle over there? Is he having a quiet time? <laughs> he's in solitary confinement. And I said, okay, he's in solitary confinement because he's a special forces marine officer who's an Arab American who is a lethal human being. And he was raised by his father, an American Marine, to be a special force. His whole life he was raised to be a soldier. And he is a soldier extraordinaire. Um, and he's Arab. So you can take him and put him in the Arab world and he can go right in and blend in. And so, of course, that's what we're going to use him for to advance us, to protect. And so we put him in there. He went into Afghanistan. Phenomenal, decorated, unbelievable guy. But he gets addicted to opium while he's there because he does a lot of work by himself. And I don't care how brave you are. There's times when you're not brave and you look for a coping mechanism and that became his. And they knew it, but they didn't care because he was so good at his job. We can still use him. He can still serve us, even though it's destroying him. And one day he goes off the rails and they got to bring him home. And then he goes off the rails at home and then they put him in prison. Welcome to our system, empire system. So he's in prison for 50 years for robbing a bank to support his addiction to drugs. Thank you for your service. So he's in solitary because that dude, if that dude's out, the guards aren't going to be able to stop him. <laughs> So I said, I need to meet him. I want to meet him. So I asked the warden, can, we, can you bring this guy out for 30 minutes? Can I talk to him for 30 minutes? No, we can't let him out. Vonnie, go get him. And Vonnie's like, we need him out here right now. And they're like, who? Who? That guy. <laughs> and the warden's like, all right, control yourself. 
Bonnie, you're like one of the criminals. I am a criminal. That's my name in the kingdom. He's like, golly. How about we put Vonnie in, bring the guy out, you know, like an exchange. <laughs> so they decide, okay, we'll bring him in. So I go back to the, with the Muslim lead guys. We're sitting in, the, in this room and the guards get super tense. I'm like, here he comes. <laughs> and they bring him in and he's, he's in shackles. And he is, I mean, he is... He's really a magnificent looking person. He really is. And it's like, check those chains because that guy looks like he knows what he's doing. And he comes in and he, they sit him in a chair. And he and I start talking and we're talking in front of the Muslim, his kind of like lieutenants. And we're talking and I say to him, are you the leader of these guys? And he said, I am. And I mean, these guys revere him, and they should. I mean, he's an impressive person. And I said, okay, so I, I, want, I, want, I want to show you what a real leader would do here. A real leader would serve these guys. They wouldn't serve you. That's, that isn't leadership. Leadership is you would serve them right now. And he's like, what does that mean? I said, serve them by telling them what you're most afraid of in your life. And man, if he could have killed me, he would have. He jumped he was so mad. Do you know why he was mad? Because I scared him. And he, he jerked at those chains. And I was like, guards. No, I wasn't. I, <laughs> and, I, and he goes, I'm not afraid of anything. And I said, everybody's afraid of something. Tell them the truth. Be a leader. Serve them. Teach them how to speak the truth. Teach them how to truth tell, which is called confession. Teach them how to confess. Teach them how to tell the truth. Lead the way. You tell them what you're afraid of so they can say what they're afraid of, and I will show you how to get rid of the fear. And he, he just mad. He goes, okay, I'm afraid of heroin. I can't beat it. I, I, can, I can fight any person. I can't fight the addiction. I don't, I've been in here 10 years, and I know if they ever let me out, I'm going right back to the fifth ward, and I'm loading up, and I'm going straight back to prison, and I can't beat it, and I'm terrified of it. That's what he says in front of his guys. And you know what happened right then? He became their leader. And his guys just stared at him like he made himself less than them. And he, in the kingdom, he went, and I said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to get rid of the addiction. It's all about your identity. I'm going to do it in front of these guys. Is that okay with you? And he's like, whatever now. <laughs> yeah. Walk him through. What happens? What is God going to do with a man who's enslaved to the addiction and to the system and he's sitting in shackles and, and we say, God, in your mercy, would you tell this man who he really is? What do you think God is going to do? Do you think he's going to, no, I'm sorry, no. I'm sorry, he's an Arab Muslim and I don't talk to them. Do you, is, you think that's what he would say? Oh, he's a, he's a felon. He's a, he's a twice convicted felon. No, I, I, I can't, no. If he was a believer, I would talk to him. How do you become a believer? When you're lost, God talks to you. So I want to put my hand on him, but I'm afraid, like, if I have contact, he could probably it'd be over. But I just say, Lord, my friend here, 
he doesn't, he doesn't know who he is. He, has no, he thinks he's a soldier. He thinks that's his identity. He thinks he's a Marine. He thinks he's special forces. He thinks he's a heroin addict. He thinks he's a felon. He thinks he's a prisoner. He thinks he's lost and alone and trapped forever. That's what he believes about himself. That's, none of that's true. Will you tell him who he really is? And this is why I love God, because God came in the room to serve him. Do you know that? That's what he did. He came into the room. He's already there. And he, he, he knelt down and he washed this guy's feet. And he washed all the faults away. I could never do it in a million years. Who does he And God says his name. And you can watch it. And the other guys, and he's doing it in front of these guys. He ser- Jesus is serving him. He's serving them. Do you see that? Everyone's serving the other because the one didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And every time he comes to you, he comes to serve. Uh, it's so hard to believe. And so he's transformed right there. These guys get to observe it. And so when we're fit, we only had 30 minutes. So I'm like, God, 30 minutes. Can you work in 30 minutes? You know? And so I say before they take him out, listen, we're going to do a gathering in the gym. Everybody's coming in. We're bringing all the <laughs> uh, transformed people are coming in. There's a bunch of them. They got a little band. Uh, it would be beautiful if you guys came. And he said, I don't know, man. I don't know who's their leader. And I'm like, just come. I don't want to <laughs> tell you who the leader is. It's like telling the Jews, hey, the one that's been murdering you, he's a believer now. Let's go serve him. And they're like, we aren't going. Like, God can't make a murderer into the greatest leader we've ever had. Oh, yes, he can. So anyway, so I said, just, if you, just pray about it. Listen to God like we just did. And see if, if you come, these guys will come. And then we got to get him out of solitary to do all that. So he goes back. And Vonnie goes and throws a temper tantrum in front of the warden that if this guy wants to come, they should let him come. And what is America all about? And I'm like, God. <laughs> and so the day comes, everyone's in the gym, and then it's in the summer, and there's no air conditioning in a Texas prison. And it is 100 million degrees in there. And Vonnie is so amazing running around 68, 69 years old in that heat. She drives a little minivan with a big crack down the front and the windshield. And her husband was a wealthy man. And I'm like, did your husband like take everything with him? Like, where did you get this van? And she's like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I got to be in the prison. And she goes down and spends the night at this little hotel next to the prison (laughs) with all the families of the inmates because the prison's in the middle of nowhere. And she goes down there and spends the night and goes in there all day long, comes out, spends the night, all day long, comes out and spends, just serving her heart out to those guys. And they begin serving each other. So the day comes, I go in there with her um, and we go into the gym and it's a million degrees and the band's playing. It's the worst worship group I've ever heard in my life and the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. And they're trying to sing these songs and they got this, you know, some, some instruments and, it's, and they're all standing up and they're singing and right in the front, leading the way. Mr. Transformed. He's up there in the front and they're singing and they're praising. And then all the guards get super tense. 
and the door opens, and in he walks. The Arab guy in shackles. He comes walking in, and everyone goes silent and sits. The guards make everyone sit down. So everyone down, sit down. Please stop the music. God, please stop the music for a second. And he, they come in. He comes in, and behind him are all the Muslims in a line behind him. They come in, and they walk down all the way, and they have this section in the back for him. And they come in, and the main guy sits right in the middle of the back, and all of them, all the Muslims sit behind him. And he's just sitting there in his chains. And it's dead silent. And Vani stands up, which didn't make any difference whether she was standing, because no one could see her. But she goes, please have music. And the band's like, "Mm," they start cranking up. And they start singing this song about Jesus. So all these Muslims in the back. And the first song we sing is, Jesus is Lord. You know, it's like, oh, gosh. I probably should have educated them on the hymns, but that's okay. So they start singing, and, and everyone's seated. Um, and then the Aryan, former Aryan guy stands up, and he, he stands up, and he turns around, and he looks right at, into the eyes of the leader of the Muslim group. He looks at him, and he goes, And the Arab guy's just staring at him, and he stands up, the Muslim guy, and he goes like this. And everyone in the room stands up. And the band sing, and they all sing together. And the lead guy and five of his lieutenants all come to faith. Yeah. He said... He said, the Arab guy said, when that Aryan dude stood up and bowed to me, I knew this was the kingdom of God. Malakut Allah, he knew it was the kingdom of God. And I want to be in this kingdom that can bring these people together. Two weeks later, when I went back to the prison, the lead Arab guy and five of his guys had transferred to other prisons. They can do that. They can transfer one time, but they have equal level of security. They transferred to five different prisons. Do you know why? To do that in the other prisons among the Muslim community. That's what they did. Yeah. Who did that? God did that. Vani did that. The man that served Vani did that. Vani serving the Aryan guy did that. The Aryan guy serving the Muslim guy did that. But who did it? Jesus serving us did that. Because we would never know how to do that if Jesus didn't do it to us first. To the whole world, he did it. So now, let's, let's stand up for a second, okay? If Vani was here, she'd be pointing at each one of you, kind of. So number one, I want you to, let's listen to God right now, okay? Let's just listen. I don't know what God wants to say to you, but I know he has a lot to say, and he wants to serve you. He wants to serve you this morning. So here's here's what we're going to do. Lord, Lord, we, we acknowledge, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, that Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God.
Jesus is what God is. Jesus does what God does. And Jesus came to serve because we have a God who serves his creation. Right now, this morning, God wants to serve you. He wants to serve you and we won't let him. So this is our prayer, Lord. I want you to pay attention to what comes into your mind. Lord, would you just speak just the true Lord Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you just say to me, where in my life right now are you trying to serve me? Where are you trying to serve me and I won't receive from you? What is that place, Lord? Why am I afraid to receive you? Just where is it? What is that place? Lord, is there any place in my life where I'm afraid to receive all that you have for me? And when those come to your mind, give it to him. I'm afraid to say I'll live wherever you want me to live. Lord, I'm afraid to say it to you. I'm afraid to try things that are in my head because I don't know, I don't think I can do it. I'm afraid to let you in because I'm not worthy of it. Whatever those lies are, let Jesus have them and then let him wash you. Let him wash you. And then say this to the Lord, Lord, I receive all that you have for me. I just, just say, you don't have to know what it is. Trust me, you do not know what it is. Just say to him, Lord, I receive all that you have for me. What he has for you is beyond what you can imagine. It's, I'm telling you from living this out, it is beyond. It is beyond what you could ever imagine. But you cannot engage it without him serving you first. And when he serves you, what he has for you will be a service to the world. He serves me. I serve Bonnie. Bonnie serves the war. And on and on it goes. And if all of us would let Jesus serve us here... And then we turn around and serve in the Twin Cities. The gates of hell can't stop it. Prisons can't stop it. Swastikas can't stop it. Gangs can't stop it. Religion can't stop it. Nothing can stop it. This is the kingdom. Jesus, every day, Jesus, I want to receive from you all that you have for me today. Sometimes that's just the capacity to forgive another person. We have to let Jesus forgive us so that we can forgive others. We have to live in his forgiveness to us in order to give it away. We have to live in his love in order to give the love away. We have to live in his creativity in order to be creative. So it's all about receive, receive, receive. So Jesus, this is our prayer. Would you... Would you serve us in the way you want to serve us? We receive what you have. And then, Lord, as we go out, would you show us how to serve others with it? Serve others with it. And, Lord, I thank you so much for Vani. I thank you so much for her husband, who I have never met. And I I know you. he's up there with you. 
And I thank you for Malik, Lord, and for the Aryan guy and all these amazing things that are happening in the world that we don't know because we just live in fear. So Lord, Lord, I'm so grateful to know these people and that just in a time in my life, just to be able to meet them and it's late in the day. But come on, come on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.